You are listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast with Dr. K, episode number 97. Welcome to the Extraordinary Events Podcast, where we aim to educate, inspire, and empower individuals who wish to design transformational experiences. Now, your host, event education champion, Dr. Kristen Mallet. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing podcast episode. I'm trying really hard to not say hello, hello, my friends. I'm just like, it's so natural. That's what I want to be saying. I have had a lot going on in the past two weeks, and I want to share a little bit of updates about the podcast and the future of the podcast and the video series. And I have a super exciting topic to talk about today and this cool project that I was asked to be on. I do want to start off today's episode by acknowledging the war that's going on right now, um, Russia invading the Ukraine. I have a lot of friends and colleagues and faculty friends that are in the Ukraine. I've spoken at the American University in Sumy before. I have a lot of Facebook friends in the Ukraine, and I know that I'm following up with all of you on Facebook, but I just want to spend a minute on the podcast to tell you that I am thinking of all of you. The world is thinking of all of you. Please stay safe. We um, care about you. We're checking in on you. And the, the world is watching. I don't want to spend the whole episode on the war, though honestly, I could events in wartime scenarios. There's already a lot that's going on with sponsorships. People are moving sponsorships and titles from mainly sporting events, events that have banned Russian delegates. There's a whole entire series that could be done about events in war, but I don't think that that would be very respectful to the situation currently. Maybe that can be on a future episode. All right, so some updates on the podcast. So I was really excited about doing the MBEX series that I was talking about. And my intern, Kenzie, she came up to me and said, Dr. K, I really think that the MBEX should be focused on the video series because I think it will really help people studying for the CMP. It will really help the students in the classroom, faculty members can pull in these videos. And she made a strong, solid case for why the MBEX should be for the video series and that the podcast should stay on current events. And she came to me with a well thought, thought out argument and I agreed with her. And so now the MBEX is gonna go into the video series. We've already done several of them and we'll be posting them soon. We're kind of editing them along. And I will announce on the podcast when those are up and when those are updated. Right now, I'm aiming to do two a week. And holding myself accountable will be really good. All right. Today, our podcast. I am so excited about this topic. So the podcast is listened to all over the world. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. It's in uh, like over 50 countries right now have been represented and someone reached out and said, Kristen, I really love the podcast. I think you're very futuristic and you have a good vision. And we want to invite you to kind of join in on this project. I'm like, what project, right? <laughs> and they're like, have you ever heard of speculative design? I'm like, no, I haven't. 
I got on a call with them and they were talking about how obviously traditionally throughout history, we've focused a lot on product design. Okay, here is the purpose of this product. How can we design the product to meet this purpose? And then we've shifted into an era of human-centered design. And this is focused on the humans that are currently using the design. Uh, of course, it's concerned with commercial and marketing activities uh, and technology that's available currently or technology that we can foresee just in the short-term future. The human-centered design is really where we're at right now. There are still organizations and companies using more of that traditional design, but pretty much everybody is now focused on human-centered, or some people call it user-centered design, especially in tech. I use human-centered design all the time. I design my classrooms around the students that are in there. I design events around the attendees that will be attending the event. And totally my wheelhouse, love human-centered design. So this person who approached me said, well, we're getting a small group together and we're going to talk about speculative design. And speculative design is really zooming out beyond the human-centered design and asking larger questions. What are the effects of our designs on future societies? It's not problem solving or prototyping. And to be very clear, even though it's looking at the future, it's not trying to predict the future. Uh, it, it's not forecasting. And it's not just pure criticism. It's really concerned with possibilities, kind of massive groupthink of all the different scenarios. So using that design thinking framework to come up with all the possible scenarios that could happen in the future. And then there is kind of a ranking system into possible, plausible, probable. Then we kind of consider our preferences and, and work our way there, right? So if we're looking at it overall, a speculative design in and of itself isn't about working our way there. That would be strategy for these internal companies. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> so speculative design. So there's this group, small group getting together. Like, what does the future of events look like? If you're attending an event in 2050, what does that event look like? And, and kind of looking at society of what that looks like. Design is really considering the means of thinking about this what if. What if in the future? And there's companies that are already doing this, um, more on maybe the product area. So companies such as IKEA, they have a research lab space. They've already been looking at speculative design how future environments are going to shape behavior and consumption patterns and looking at some of the implications of those products. One area that maybe could have benefited from looking at speculative design would be the advances in maybe how Airbnb has caused problems for local housing markets, especially for um, residents and, and first-time homebuyers who maybe are in a lower income. You have all these investors coming in now and buying all these properties to put them on Airbnb. Nobody's actually living in them. So it's really kind of interesting. And it seems like every larger company now kind of has a speculative design lab. Microsoft and Google and Apple, they actually hire sci-fi writers to help accelerate their innovation. And of course, not all the possibilities of the future are positive. Some of them can be negative. And that's also really, really good. I mean, it's not good that it's negative, but it's good for the design process. 
Because what we're really focused on in speculative design is presenting the ideas. We want to articulate them visually, verbally, in words, experientially. We want to look at them from all the different angles. We want to look at all the different possibilities from all the angles and then figure out if it's worth working towards, if it should be released into the world. There's a lot of really interesting things that, that happen when you're looking at speculative design. So how is speculative design different in terms of current practices and what exactly is that target market, right? We're always focused on the stakeholders in the target market. So current human-centered design, customer-centered design, user-centered design, they focus really on designing for a narrow group or identifying really who those personas or the segmentations or the archetypes that represent who your key stakeholders are. And if it's products, maybe that's people somewhat likely to buy the thing, very likely to buy the thing. If it's an events, it's who are your key stakeholders you're designing for. And speculative design, you don't necessarily have such a narrow persona, which is the interesting part to wrap your mind around. Now, of course, this does not mean that we're designing for everyone. Absolutely not. It really means that we're focusing on the thinking about how our designs could impact um, environment and the society in the future. We really, the, the thought process and the work and all of these design scenarios kind of act as design probes that help us articulate how we wanna interact with our future environment and within our future society in general. Prototyping, which is done a lot with human-centered design, deals with how an idea could be realized. And speculative design really asks, what if that idea was prevalent in our society? Would we actually want it? It's really used as a way to ask what if, and is this actually a good idea before we ask, how do we make it happen? So it's just a little bit of a different mindset, which is just fascinating. I talk a lot about higher education and event education and how traditionally way back in the 70s and 80s, business schools used to teach logistics and then they really switched into strategy. We're seeing this huge shift in event programs right now, or we, we should be seeing a shift if we're all being honest with each other. There's a lot of programs who are like, okay, we teach logistics at undergrad and we teach design at the grad school. That's how it's always been. Logistics, undergrad, design in the grad school. And it should not be that way. We should really be talking about design and strategy alongside the logistics, kind of a precursor to logistics. Of course, logistics is still important, but what good is the logistics if we don't actually have the design or strategy? And why are you spending $40,000, $60,000 just to learn logistics that, yes, you could learn in five or six years of just event management experience? What is the value of that degree? And what I really love about speculative design is it's kind of also the switching of that process. So I advocate a lot for higher education before doing logistics, do some design. Of course you need logistics. I'm not saying you don't need logistics, but we should focus with design and then strategy. 
And in speculative design, we're also doing a similar thing. We're reversing the process. Instead of designing an event or a product, we're asking what kind of society that we might prefer at large. And then we're designing products, services, events, higher education that work towards that society. Instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to do what I'm doing now. And then I'm going to do a crisis management plan for 10 years down the road. So if we're thinking about tangible things, you can think about plastics, you can think about hazardous waste, you can think about oil and oil spills. There's a lot of things that are like, okay, we need this now. Humans, we need this now. And we're not necessarily thinking about the repercussions or the circular design to close the loop. So speculative design saying, okay, what's our future in 2050? And then how can we design our services, our events, our higher education to get there? So what does this exactly look like in practice, right? That would be great to know. Can I just get a roadmap there? So being in this project group, which honestly is why I've just been processing in my brain for the last two weeks of what I wanna share, what I wanna look at. Of course, there's some things I can't share, But what does it look like in practice for just speculative design overall, not just speculative design in events, but speculative design overall. So it's not the same as prototyping, which I find a lot of the people that I work with have a hard time thinking about prototyping when it comes to services anyway, because the the concept of prototyping, we always think about in products, you have a tangible cardboard thing in your hand or plastic thing in your hand. But prototyping is also really, really important for services. So you have a service blueprint, you have something tangible that then you can go through and get feedback on. So with speculative design, it's really a precursor to prototyping. So it's really the step before prototyping. You're making the time, which again, time is so valuable, but you're making time to have these future-oriented design sprints within your organization or your industry, your field, And then you're looking at these and then trying to figure out the best way to kind of transform these philosophical ideas into something tangible. If you're in an organization or in a field or industry, you can kind of form a group, a transdisciplinary group, and you can do these speculative um, design sprints, kind of like a hackathon. And then this can spur these new ideas that could form the basis of a movement towards being in the the future of events. It's just been really fascinating. So when I was reached out to about this opportunity by this listener, so thank you so much for listening to the podcast, send me your ideas and opportunities. When I was reached out by this person, I said, okay, well, I need to look up what speculative design even is. And there was actually a book written in 2019 that said speculative design for higher education. I ordered it within like two minutes It hasn't come to my doorstep yet, but I'm really excited to read it and kind of see what that process looked like for them and what the outcomes and if there's thought processes about what higher education, particularly in the United States, but everywhere, what that looks like in the future. Because I do think that we are in the precipice of an incredible change. And I think all of the top 10 lists of things that will change in the next 10 years, they all have at least one. One list I saw of a top 10 list had four or five things that were all very relevant to higher education. And I'm here 
I'm in it and I'm super excited to not just ride the wave, but to be on, on top of the wave, in front of the wave, to help kind of guide our industry event education into um, aligning with the industry and then also pushing the higher education forward. So that is a really cool project. And I said, oh my goodness, how have I never heard of speculative design? I have to share this with my podcast listeners. And I am so excited about it. I'm even probably gonna share it on a bunch of my personal channels. So apologies if you see it kind of everywhere because this is such a, a fascinating topic and something that's really, really cool and something that I wish more groups would do. All right, with that, I want to always be respectful of everybody's time. I hope you learned something new in today's podcast. I value each of you so, so much. I, I value you, I value your time. Thank you so much for making the time to make the time. I'll talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.